Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. Now we're going to dive into our series on Pope St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. And this week, as we unpack starting on Catechetical Talk 15, as we are in this long-form series, just dabbling a little bit each day in this profoundly theological text of Pope St. John Paul II that is rooted 100% in a biblical anthropology, Pope St. John Paul II draws our attention to this idea of original happiness. And when discussing original happiness, he unpacks how this is connecting the dots of all of this, these different types of original states in the garden we've been discussing. Original innocence, original nakedness, the spousal meaning of the body, the gift of self, and how all of this was that historical state of the human person originally in the garden prior to the fall, and how from that we understand what we are made for, what our blueprint is as human beings. And at the end of the day, the answer to every crisis of the culture whether it's the breakdown of marriage, the lack of children today, the pangs over identity, and the crisis of gender ideology. This is why some people may say, hey, this is trending with Timory. Why are you getting so deep into theology? Because theology is the answer to what is happening in the culture today. And with that, it requires that we have a certain sense of interior freedom that I think is at the heart of what people are suffering from today. Well, we may be free, let's say, if you live in the Western world, if you live in the United States. Yet at the same time, freedom needs to begin with understanding how God created us and interiorly allowing ourselves to be free, detached from those things that could rule our lives, which are our lower faculties when you dive into theology. The freedom and original innocence that occurred in the garden gave the spousal meaning of the body and that original state of nakedness that occurred prior to the fall, this greater freedom in the human person being able to be free. Because all of this points to what Pope St. John Paul II refers to as a hermeneutic of gift. Because the human person in the garden was naked in an original state of innocence in perfect communion with God and neighbor, that is between Adam and Eve, they were free because they had a sense of self-mastery and self-dominion because they understood themselves because they were in right relationship with God. Those are a lot of contingent statements, but that's what our whole life is. And if we miss that, we miss the fact that our whole life is dependent upon God and received from him. All is made possible by interior freedom and self-mastery and self-dominion because it's through that that we receive grace and exercise grace and virtue. The man and the woman, Adam and Eve, in the garden, Pope St. John Paul II says, were able to enjoy the whole truth, the whole self-evidence of the human being prior to the fall. He actually starts to unpack one of the church documents known as Gaudium et Spes, which you think about it, it came out in the middle of the 20th century at a time in which the bloodiest century recorded in human history occurred. 
You have communism, Nazi Germany. And in the midst of all of this, the church says something very profound that Pope St. John Paul II really points his finger at over and over again. In fact, I love part of the statement from Gaudium. It says one of the church documents that I actually at one point, and I, let me tell you, I don't pay, but it was one of those times where my sisters were into canvases and writing messages on canvases. And I actually wrote this on my canvas that we painted. And again, I'm a terrible painter. It's a little bit of a joke. Can't even paint or draw a good stick figure. And yeah, I put this quote on there and had it in my college dorm room for quite a while. And in summary, it's this idea that the human person was created by God and that the human person is the only creature created by God for him or herself. That God just delighted in creating us for our own sake. And that with that, we as human beings, even though God created us for ourselves, for us out of an act of love, he created us with a blueprint. And that we can only find ourselves through a disinterested gift of self. Now, Pope St. John Paul II paraphrases, but also articulates it differently. God says, says through a sincere gift of self. That's the only way we can discover ourselves and find true happiness. But he says, Pope St. John Paul II, that this is through a disinterested gift of self. That is not through a self-seeking, self-soothing, self-pleasing. He says the disinterested gift of self is at the root of nakedness. That is at the root of the original state of Adam and Eve in the garden as a naked. That is without any shame one before the other. As we've been discussing how shame wasn't present prior to the fall of Adam and Eve. And so with this, he teases out this idea that's so fundamental of original happiness that we're going to be really unpacking in this entire series of Theology of the Body, especially this week. It's through grace at the end of the day that we have happiness. It's through grace that Adam and Eve had happiness in the garden because they were in full communion with God. They were in a state of grace. They didn't have original sin yet. In other words, they received everything, and because of that, were able to give everything. And Pope St. John Paul II points to how deeply personal that is in the revelation of the individual body. And he starts to talk about, actually, how this can be understood as well from the perspective of not just the spousal meaning of the body being lived out and the sexual complementarity of male and female, but how that deeper dimension of the material physical complementarity, like a key and a lock, points to the gift of self, that hermeneutic of the gift, right? That interpretation of our lives and our bodies in human anthropology, as Pope St. John Paul II has been building on, as being made to be a gift given because we received everything from God. Now, this can be also lived out, as he indicates, in a celibate way, in a virginal way, in a life that's not married. I hate it today when people talk so often about the single life and whether or not you're called to the single life. I don't think we should be defining it according to the single life. But Pope St. John Paul II says this is making a gift of self for the kingdom of heaven. Now that might be done through consecrated virginity, as a celibate priest. Much could be said of this, but what is it? It's not living out the single life of, hey, I'm single and I'm detached. It's that I'm so attached to God, I'm detached from 
the primordial human relationship of marriage. And through making a gift of self for the kingdom of heaven, you're saying yes to your body, yes to the gift you've received, and yes to the gift you're giving, but in a non-sexual way. And yes to God's design, that there's respect for the design of the body. And I think, interestingly, St. Joseph and the Blessed Virgin Mary begin to model this as a precursor to Jesus. And here's why I say this, because we know the spousal meaning of the body, that is marriage between man and woman, is the primordial vocation. It is the natural vocation that is naturally understood through the body and through society, through our deepest desires by human psychology and sociology. Even through all of the studies shown on human happiness, the happiest people are the people who have gotten married, stayed married, and continued to maintain those meaningful relationships, such as in marriage and with their children and family members. But Mary and Joseph show marriage in a different light. They show it as virginal, yet they're still parents. But then Jesus goes to the next step. They go from the gift of self virginally shown through the very unique and special marriage of Mary and Joseph and their motherhood and fatherhood that's lived out to then the virginal state of life that Jesus Christ lives. Set aside for the kingdom of heaven, as Pope St. John Paul II was talking about earlier, if you're living out that state unmarried. And Jesus paves the way for the whole tradition and revelation of saints after saint who lived a radically different life in embracing virginity and becoming saints. We have far more unmarried saints than married saints. Why? Because they set themselves aside for the kingdom of heaven. Even St. Paul and all the apostles questioned marriage because they recognized that it was more difficult because you're attached to another human being. And that carnal desire, while good, can also be a distraction. You're also pleased on pleasing your spouse and God. This is why the apostles go, well, why, why would you get married? Or St. Paul says, save yourself from God. And so I think that this is what's interesting is we're unpacking the theology of the body of understanding that original state of happiness, the affirmation of the human sexuality and the freedom in choosing through grace, self-mastery and self-dominion to live in accordance with the state in life you so deeply desire. We are continuing our series on Pope St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. And today we're going to kick off a couple days talking about what was known in theology and in Theology of the Body as original nakedness. We're in Theology of the Body, Catechetical Talk 11, and Pope St. John Paul II kicks off this talk talking about the prehistory of the human person and how he says at the root of that prehistory is always the human experience that we see in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. And one of those he points to is original nakedness. What is original nakedness? We read about it in Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. Now both were naked, the man and his wife, but they did not feel shame. So this was after the creation of Eve. We read that Adam and Eve, just like anyone here and now, it's crazy to think about, didn't wear clothes. And this was normal. There was no sense of taking advantage of or objectifying another individual. There was no sense of embarrassment. It wasn't humiliating to be seen in this way. Pope St. John Paul II says original nakedness is, he says, in the first biblical sketch of anthropology. So what he's saying is that original nakedness 
is a fundamental part of our understanding of anthropology. It's there first at the beginning in sacred scripture as part of that initial sketch, that making up of human anthropology. He says it's no accident. He actually refers to it as key for understanding our anthropology. Why is that so? Why is it important to talk about being naked before the fall of Adam and Eve? I know it's creepy to think about. Maybe you think, hey, it's great. Clothes are good. I don't really want to think about walking around uncomfortable with all of my acquaintances, non-acquaintances, family members, and seeing all of that. That's part of our fallen human nature. I'm not saying we should all join nudist colonies. But what I am saying is that Pope St. John Paul II is saying we need to take seriously what we read in the creation accounts of Adam and Eve and what we read about the human person prior to our fall, prior to the stain of original sin. We've already discussed this earlier in our series, and I hope you'll listen, relevantradio.com forward slash trending or wherever you catch your podcasts. We are in week four of our Theology of the Body series, and we already unpacked a fundamental theme that is connected and what makes possible original nakedness, and that is original innocence. We need to remember that in our prehistory as human beings, that our original state in the garden was a place of innocence. There was total innocence, and with that innocence came perfect relationship between us and God, that vertical relationship, and with that there was perfect order in our relationships with other human beings, between Adam and Eve, as we saw in the garden, But as we could ponder out now in current history, prior to the fall, there would be perfect order in relationships between parents and children, between relationships between people who are married, unmarried, and work environments. Prior to the fall, that original innocence made possible that understanding of original nakedness, that sense of comfort. Pope St. John Paul II talks about crossing this threshold of awareness in the sense of the original state of nakedness and how it's only possible by original innocence. And he's encouraging us to cross, as he says, a threshold, and that is in understanding the purity of the human person prior to the fall. If you read the fall in the account in Genesis chapter 3, the eyes of Adam and Eve were opened after eating the forbidden fruit, after eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They realized they were naked. They actually hid themselves from God, and we read in sacred scripture that they were afraid. Part of the reason why they were afraid is because they realized they were naked. And so, actually, if you think about it, we could discuss this more later on in the series. One of the very first acts of mercy of God is actually to give Adam and Eve clothing, because they had originally sewed fig leaves together right after the fall and before they saw God. And so, Pope St. John Paul II asks that we in some way reconstruct the meaning of original nakedness. What is he saying? That we start to ponder what that really meant. He starts to unpack this idea of shame as well, which we're going to talk about more tomorrow. But I want to prick just for a moment this idea of shame, that there was no shame between Adam and Eve, as I mentioned, in that original nakedness, in that complementarity, in that knowledge and understanding of how the two bodies complement one another, in the comfort of not being objectified in that way, of not objectifying another, of not taking advantage of, of not being embarrassed or embarrassing another individual, of not humiliating or being humiliated. 
that wasn't there. It wasn't until after the fall that we had a sense of shame that developed, the shame of Adam and Eve. And Pope St. John Paul II talks about shame as, quote, a boundary experience, also known as a threshold experience. What does that mean? Shame after the fall is part of what helps us in being reordered to the original state that God intended for us, that original state of innocence. And so as we prepare to talk more about shame in the coming days, I really want to challenge you to think about shame because it's a fascinating topic to discuss. And in many respects, in a third wave feminist sexual revolution type of culture, people hate the word shame. People don't like to be told shame on you. People don't like to feel shamed. People don't like to feel objectified. People don't like to be ridiculed for what they do or don't wear. Is shame a good thing? Well, I'll argue yes, but we need to understand it. And this is why Pope St. John Paul II actually spends a lot of time both in his work, Love and Responsibility, prior to becoming Pope, along with In Theology of the Body, talking about shame as that boundary experience, helping us to come back into a better encounter with one another and with God. But we only understand ourselves in the proper light when, as Pope St. John Paul II says, we need to go back to the beginning. Don't just look at the original state of Adam and Eve as prior to the fall, as this is just something that happened in the past. Think about it as foundationally the human experience, foundationally part of a human anthropology that we need to come to better understand ourselves and our others before one another, but first most before God and what his original intention was for us. So continue to join us in our Theology of the Body series. You can listen relevantradio.com forward slash trending, wherever you catch your podcast, but especially on the Relevant Radio app. We're walking through the whole series. I hope you'll follow along with us. I want to continue our series on Theology of the Body. We're unpacking yesterday and today what Pope St. John Paul II refers to as original nakedness. We're talking about this original state in the garden prior to the fall that we read about in Genesis chapter 3. We're walking through this whole series of Pope St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body, unpacking all 133 catechetical talks. And original nakedness is one of those foundational points, pointing to not just the sexual dimension— and really not even focusing predominantly on the sexual dimension of the human body, but specifically on the fact that we are male and female in that comfort that is present prior to the fall in that nakedness. Again, not something that I think anyone really wants to do of having family dinner with your family members and no one's wearing anything. But what it points to is what is so fascinating that Pope St. John Paul II emphasized, and I talked about this yesterday on the show, is how the only way we have the state of original comfort in our nakedness is because of original innocence and how relevant that is to the state of the human person both prior to the fall but also now today and how he referred to it as a boundary experience one of those experiences that we need to come to have a greater understanding of that there was no shame prior to the fall and so in the Edge of the body catechetical talk 12 pope saint john paul ii starts off by asking what is shame and he asks this because if we can come to understand what shame is and that it wasn't present prior to the fall, we have a better understanding of how perfectly innocent 
the human person was. The design of the human person. How it wasn't until the fall came when Adam and Eve, we discussed yesterday, clothed themselves with fig leaves, hid themselves literally from God who was walking in the garden with them because they were naked. They had, as Pope St. John Paul II says, in this sense of shame, a fear for one's own eye. That is, a fear for one's own self. He says the human being manifests instinctively the need for affirmation and acceptance. So after the fall, suddenly there's this great, deep-seated need, a deep-seated need on the basis of the individual for affirmation and acceptance. Isn't this something that everyone wants? And that this is actually understood at the level of the body, at the level of what is most important about parts of our body, the distinguishing features of our body, that we need affirmation and acceptance as individuals and even in our bodily parts as male and as female. And that this is really appropriate to understanding the human person post the fall. That prior to the fall, that need for affirmation and acceptance wasn't there because we were so deeply rooted in a self-understanding and an understanding of others that we were so loved and loved God that that relationship with other human beings, our relationship before God, there was comfort there, not discomfort, not the neediness that is the human condition today. What is it? I think Romans 8 where St. Paul writes about how all of creation is groaning in a state of groaning to be reunited to God, to be a part of the new creation, to be taken back to that original state that God had intended with that perfect innocence, that perfect grace-filled life. Now, when reading Pope St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body, a little bit of background that I think is helpful, especially when looking at the topic of shame, is actually turning back to his prior work in love and responsibility. Prior to becoming Pope, Pope St. John Paul II, known as Carol Votila, wrote what is known as a very rich philosophical and theological text. He's known as a phenomenologist as well, who's very experiential in his writing. And he writes about love at the end of the day, love and responsibility, and how with love comes responsibility, and how that's a good thing, which is so relevant to the culture we live in today, a culture that has disconnected from the family, from relationships, that has disconnected from marrying, from giving yourself a marriage or receiving in marriage. And so in Love and Responsibility, Pope St. John Paul II actually takes quite a bit of time discussing shame. And I want to touch just for a moment on some of what he says there, because I think it's relevant to what is said in Theology of the Body. So we often, I think in a 21st century mindset, think of shame as a bad thing, whereas historically, even within the tradition of Christianity, shame was a good thing. It was, in a certain respect, part of our conscience kicking in, and men and women feel it differently, especially with regard to the body. Shame is always connected to a person, and this is something Pope St. John Paul II emphasizes, that shame is deeply personal. It's usually in response to another, or it's regarding our selves in respect to another. It's often even going to the depths of our thoughts. How ashamed would we sometimes be if people actually knew what our private thoughts are, not just what our external actions are or the external presentation of our body is. Shame, at the end of the day, we tend to want to conceal what is shameful. And what is shameful can be bad, but also what is good is something that we can experience shame 
regarding something that is good, such as the body parts that aren't meant to be exposed because there's a sense of shame because of how we perceive ourselves, how others perceive us and how we can objectify others. And so in his work, Love and Responsibility, Pope St. John Paul II, again, prior to becoming Pope, actually says something really interesting about shame on the level of both men and women. He says men often feel shame with regard to their reaction physically and mentally toward women. So there's that sense of embarrassment, shame with regard to how they physically react to women, but also mentally toward women. It's something that with regard to men's interior lives, you guys often It's one of those greatest secrets. You wouldn't necessarily want people to think how you are responding. But I think one of the great things and what it makes a man of character is what you do with those feelings, how you have a sense of self-control. And I think that's wonderful. I was talking to a young teenage boy recently, and he was talking about experiences he has in his body with thoughts he has with regard to women. And he was asking his dad, is this a bad thing? Is this normal? And his dad said, it's all bad. You know, just don't do it. That's sinful. You know, you got to have pure thoughts. But we were actually talking about it. And there are a lot of reactions that the human body has and ideas that come into our head. But it's what we do with those ideas, what we do to try and refocus our mind. That if we indulge those thoughts, that's what's problematic. And this is where virtue enters in. And the whole conversation of shame is actually a good thing. Because when we're ashamed of something, often that points to a need to enter into the realm of virtue, to course correct, to check how we are handling our thoughts and our bodily reactions to things. Now, that's men more specifically. Women more often feel shame regarding being objectified by others. So isn't that interesting? Men often feel shame regarding their own reaction physically and mentally toward women, but women more often feel shame with regard to being objectified toward others. This is why modesty, but also giving away too much too soon, both in speech about yourself, but bodily, can be so damaging for women. This is why there's no happiness, especially on college campuses, after the one-night stand, after the hookup culture the next day. There's often a great sense of dissatisfaction and guilt But today, in the 21st century, we don't like the idea of shame. We reject shame as if it's bad, as if modesty is bad, as if discretion is bad, as if humility is bad. And so when we contextualize what Pope St. John Paul II is saying about original nakedness and the connection he makes to shame, it's significant because what he's pointing to is how innocent the human person was in thoughts and feelings and bodily reaction in the sense of how one is perceived by another human being. All of that was perfect prior to the fall of Adam and Eve. And this is something that through the grace of Jesus Christ, we have to turn to reorient ourselves to what God has in store for us. And this is why the gift of the sacraments is so significant. Going to confession, receiving our Lord Jesus Christ worthily, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist being prayerful, entering into that evening examination of conscience, being shameful about sometimes the way we speak, our very behaviors. This is actually a good thing. And I think what we need to retransition, refocus that conversation and our own personal response to shame from a Catholic lens and from the perspective of how God created the human person. We're back to our series on Pope St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Here, the pace starts to pick up in his work. He's been setting the backdrop, as we've been discussing, with all of these 
prior to the fall state, original innocence, original nakedness. And we've been talking about original nakedness, which will dive us into the spousal meaning of the body and what Pope St. John Paul II refers to as the hermeneutic of the gift. Understanding that everything we've received is a gift. But tying this together, we're in the 13 of his general audiences. This section is titled Intimacy, the Hidden Meaning of Vision. Understanding that what is understood on a physiological, biological, material level points to something so much more significant in the state of Adam and Eve in the garden prior to the fall. And that we need to understand this state of original innocence in that perspective, especially as we've been talking about the peace and comfort in the state of original nakedness and how significant that is for understanding there was a need, a need for affirmation from another human being, for understanding someone as being able to take advantage or be taken advantage of. We talked about shame yesterday and much of what Pope St. John Paul II says about shame. But here we talk about how the mystery of creation, as Pope St. John Paul II signifies, is part of understanding the original good of the divine vision. That is the original good of the divine vision of God for us, but also of the vision, the understanding, the deeper vision that's not just a visual, but the understanding of us, of one for another, of our own bodies, of the body of another. Pope St. John Paul II talks about how in seeing each other through the very mystery of creation that is prior to the fall, the man and woman see each other still more fully and clearly than through the sense of sight itself because they have a faith-filled perspective. They have the perspective with God first, not just themselves. And so with this, he says, through the eyes of the body, they see and know each other. In fact, with the peace of the what he calls the interior gaze. He says shame carries with it specific limitations of vision because shame comes into play only after the fall. And so here he starts to refer to not just the original meaning of nakedness, but the original meaning of the spousal meaning of the body, understanding that the complementarity of male and female, physiologically, materially, signifies something so much more in the spousal meaning, the sacrament of marriage, that it points to what Pope St. John Paul II discusses as the hermeneutic of the gift. What does hermeneutics mean? Hermeneutics points to an interpretation and understanding of something. And so what he's pointing at is at the core of his theology of the body, understanding, interpreting human anthropology, the creation of Adam and Eve, the creation of Eve before Adam as a gift. This is the only way to function and understand our very lives. He refers to this as the consciousness of the meaning of our own bodies. I'll kind of fast forward for a moment because in Theology of the Body, we'll get to the coming of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, the resurrection of Christ. I want to fast forward for a moment because I think it's significant that we understand the spousal meaning of the body, understanding that everything we've received is a gift. All of creation is a radical gift given to us. All of creation was created for the human being. The visible world has been created for Adam and Eve, for you and I. This is how we have proper ordering and understanding with regard to how we use the world around us as a tool, as something to enjoy, 
not to be destructive, but also not to overemphasize as well. Pope St. John Paul II points to how this hermeneutic of gift, this understanding, this self-interpretation of ourselves, the world around us, and our relationship, how it all begins with understanding that in Genesis chapter 1, God created us in His image and likeness. The very first gift we received was the image of God within ourselves. And this is our launching point. This is our point of departure. And this is why understanding the original state of Adam and Eve in the garden is significant for understanding our history. Because it's not just of, oh, that's how things were prior to the fall. No, that's how God intended us to understand ourselves. And this is why he wrote, for example, sacred scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit, written with the Holy Spirit being the author of sacred scripture, for us to not just understand our lives from the state of the fall on, but to understand that history that is our human anthropology. And so if we start to begin to understand this dimension of the gift that God has given us, I'm fast forwarding for a moment to understand how this is seen and understood from the perspective of Jesus Christ. Understanding it even simply from the perspective of the cross. When I think of Pope St. John Paul II's theology of the body, in summation of all of it, I always think of the great gift of Jesus Christ on the cross. That he gave himself for us, both human and divine, making that sacrificial gift with his bloody, bruised, and beaten, giving everything he has received from the Father back to the Father for us, giving us salvation, giving us redemption, that the gates of heaven are open again, and that we, through the church, through our participation in the grace and life of God, we can live with him forever. And so when we look at the cross, when we make the sign of the cross, we're making the symbol of the gift of self that Jesus Christ showed. Our very lives are made to be a gift too. We're made for life-giving, self-giving love that is transformative in our prayer life, that's transformative in whatever state in life you may be in as a single person, married, engaged, as a priest, a religious, understanding that everything I have is a gift, my very breath is a gift, and that all of that at the end of the day is meant to be given back to God. That is Pope St. John Paul II's theology of the body and what is meant to be understood and unpacked in every vocation of life, in every human action. And I challenge you to take this to prayer, to start with understanding how significant the gift of your life is of being made in God's image and likeness. We've been working through much of this Theology of the Body series, and it's been a good challenge for me because in the midst of often in our day and age when we feel awful or we just want to rest or things don't feel quite right in life, there's this tendency to want to turn in on ourselves as a means of self-protection, whether it's because we're sick and we just want to rest and be left alone, whether maybe there are some wounds that have occurred in a relationship as a child. And it's so easy to turn in, to go concave and 
even we see this in the posture of some people sometimes. I know not everyone can help some of the things going on, but th this posture where you see people don't want to be seen. They don't want to be heard. They don't want to stand and be present in the room. And I think Pope St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body in so many respects speaks into that, calling us into our roles as men and women. This week we had the wonderful opportunity of unpacking a little bit of what it means to understand ourselves in our particular vocations as a man or as a woman and how it's only so. And I love the response of Pope St. John Paul II, how he starts his Theology of the Body series because he gave 133 catechetical talks. So we're on just talk number 19 right now. And he begins by answering this question about divorce and marriage in Matthew chapter 19 and Mark chapter 10 and immediately says, well, what was it from the beginning? In the beginning, God created the male and female. And I think that's the same exact answer that Jesus Christ would have if we were to ask him, well, what do you think about transgenderism? Is it okay? You know, is love love? Can two men marry each other? Can two women marry each other? I think you would ask us that same exact question or he would answer it in the same way. What was it from the beginning? What did God intend? And he says yet again, God created them male and female. And with that, this is the introduction to Theology of the Body that we've just been unpacking those first few chapters, really first two chapters of Genesis. And what's so key in Pope St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body that we're going to unpack in his 19th talk was that he draws our focus to marriage. And to marriage as a path of holiness for both the man and the woman. He particularly focuses on Genesis chapter 2, verses 23 to 25, and that's where we read that God just created Eve, and Adam's response is this aha moment. Ah, finally, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, because she was taken from men, and therefore a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife, and the two become one flesh. And we read right there that next statement, and the man and his wife were both naked, but were not ashamed. In this, Pope St. John Paul II continues to talk about original innocence and the spousal meaning of the body and original nakedness, all of these themes that we've been unpacking in the series that I hope you'll join us in the series, relevantradio.com forward slash trending. You can catch the podcast, catch up, read along. I let you know where we're at in the text. But what Pope St. John Paul II says is that even you and I, after the fall, after the stain of original sin, after that tendency, even after our baptismal grace wipes away original sin, we still have that tendency towards sin, which is called concupiscence. Pope St. John Paul II says that even after original sin, the spousal meaning of the body still remains as a task given to us. And I think that's pretty incredible that God has allowed and guided us even in the midst of our brokenness. He says, he talks about how this is understood even in our fallen nature through our self-discovery in the body, through the gift of self, and how we understand our potential as a sacrificial gift of self. He refers to a, a gift of self over and over again. He talks about this hermeneutic of gift, which means this interpretation of our bodies and of our relationships as self-giving, self-donating, sacrificial. 
Pope St. John Paul II says that the primordial awareness of the body is present, he says, in the mystery of original innocence. What is he saying? That the awareness of the human body from the beginning is actually still there as a mark in that sexual complementarity is male and female. Not just a sexual complementarity on a sexual anatomical level, but on the spiritual sense that lived out that mark of the body, the complementarity, the desire for marriage, the desire for someone other than ourselves, the desire of women for a father or a father figure if you didn't have one, or for that brother type of figure. You know, so many people who don't have siblings of the opposite sex long for, women long, sisters long, women long for a brother, brothers long for a sister, brothers long for other brothers to edify them in their masculinity, to build them up in their femininity for a woman. This is such an important dynamic. And Pope St. John Paul II is saying that the mystery of original innocence is actually written into our body by the very fact that we see that primordial awareness of the body and the complementarity. It's referred to, that is, marriage as the primordial sacrament. And Pope St. John Paul II talks about the original state of happiness prior to the fall, that pure bliss, that pure joy of right relationship with God and therefore right relationship with neighbor, in relationship with other people, in relationship with the earth. That was a lived reality in the garden as original innocence with the spousal meaning of the body, with original nakedness lived out. But even now today, Pope St. John Paul II is saying that the visible, the invisible is made visible through the body, through marriage that is lived out in a holy way, that the spiritual and divine are revealed through the living out of the spousal meaning of the body in terms of how we act, how we behave in our marriages. We start to reveal the very life of God. That is total life-giving, self-giving love as Jesus Christ showed on the cross. As God created, or sorry, as God gave his son to us here on earth. And how Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to live out the life he is calling us to in grace. We see through the Holy Family a model of the Trinity. And we see in our human families a model of of what should direct us toward the beauty of the Holy Family and ultimately direct us toward God. This is why when we unpack Genesis and we look at the significance of what God intended from the beginning for the human person, that as we read in Genesis 2, chapter, Genesis 2 verse 24, Therefore a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife, and the two become one flesh. This was all in a state of pure innocence. There was no shame as we read in the next verse. There was a perfect understanding of one another and self-understanding. Pope St. John Paul II said, In marriage, holiness itself was lived out and understood and still can be in our marriages today. It puts, I think, a heavy burden on our responsibilities as people of faith, as Catholics, to live responsibly in marriage. It reminds me of the importance of having that guiding post of reading and pondering, looking to the Holy Family, looking to healthy marriages in the culture, looking to the saints, looking to what God intended from the beginning as that guidepost. And boy, do we need to fight for it. 
I talked about this earlier in the show that to sin means to miss the mark. And so when we sin in our marriages, we're missing the mark of the holiness that God has in store for us that is revealed by the spousal meaning of the body where we're called to live as a gift of self. So my argument is let's fight for marriage. Let's fight for our marriages. If you are married, fight for your marriage. If you're not married, ponder, dive into, dig into what marriage is. Look for those good, holy examples. Ask questions. Join the Theology of the Body series that we're unpacking here on Trending. But above all, we need the grace of God. This is why confession is so important in living out our marital roles. This is why truly praying morning, noon, and night is so important. Receiving our Lord Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist worthily. And discovering what it means to become a gift, to serve another human being, to become that sacrifice for another. It's possible. God's calling us to it. That's the reason why this desire is written into the human body, because he wants us to live holiness itself. He wants us to model the Trinity. But we need the grace of Jesus Christ in our marriages in order to do that.